Hi, this is Roy Worley. Welcome to the interview show that brings on guests from all walks of life. Yeah, it's here that they tell their stories and delve a little deeper into their lives to see what got them where they are. So grab a drink, have a seat, and relax, because this is The Leo Effect. When was the last time a short movie shook your emotions to the core? When was the last time a short movie caused you to rethink everything you stood for? When was the last time a short movie made you proud to be an American? When was the last time you felt the emotion to stand up and cheer after a short movie? The new short movie, I've Got Your Six, written and directed by Bill Foster, one of the industry's newest and fastest climbing directors, will answer all of those questions. Rarely has there been so much packed into a short movie that when you leave, you'll feel more proud of our American military veterans. A movie that was cast only with American military veterans will have you on the edge of your seat cheering for our veterans and what makes America great. I've Got Your Six will be hitting the film festival scene soon. Be prepared to drop what you're doing and go see this powerful movie when it comes to your area. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of The Leo Effect. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest. I've been excited to speak with him since uh, I got word he was coming on the show. This is going to be a lot of fun today. Please allow me to introduce Mr. Scott Page. Yay! How are you? How are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Thanks. Thanks for having me on your show. Absolutely. So, for anybody that may not know who you are, can you tell the listeners what it is that you do, what you feel you might be most known for? Oh, gee, there you go. Um, You know, I come out of the music business uh, regime. I guess my claim to fame is I'm the saxophone player that played with Pink Floyd uh, for many years and uh, been a serial entrepreneur. Russ, I'm my fourth startup right now. Um, So, I'm kind of one of those combination business guys, musicians. And uh, currently, uh, with uh, Think Experience, which is my company, Think EXP, uh, we're uh, we're an immersive entertainment company. So we're building kind of new live immersive shows, uh, kind of the future. Okay. So that's kind of our our, our spiel. <laughs> what what does an immersive show mean? Well, you know, everything's changing right now. You know, concerts normally we go to shows and stuff, but now we've got all this technology that allows us to um, create a totally different experience. You know, we're in, a, we're in a business now where, you know, you can't really sell music anymore. Uh, you know, obviously you can stream some music, but it's very difficult for, you know, artists to make money off of just music. So the new kind of frontier is really creating these new, new experiences. And currently we've been doing a, uh, a show in a 360-degree immersive dome in downtown Los Angeles at a place called Wisdom where we've been doing our first experience, which was a Pink Floyd experience. And we've been doing Pink Floyd in this 360-degree immersive dome. And what I mean by that is you sit there and you kind of lay on even chairs and beds and you kind of look up and you're completely surrounded in visuals as we're playing Pink Floyd. So the new immersive space is really using technology, anything from uh, uh, maybe maybe you've heard of those shows that are popping up like the Museum of, Museum of Ice Cream and uh, there's all these different kind of shows where you go and it's really more of an experience, uh, type of thing where they're using technology to create a new, uh, a new type of experience for the, the user, as opposed to just listening, there's visuals and things that you can do, putting AR and VR into the, into the mix. Nice. Right on. Yeah. Cool. Fun stuff. Yeah. What was it that got yeah. you into music in the first place? 
Um, I come from a music, a musical fan. My father uh, was a musician. Um, I grew up on a show he did called the Lawrence Welk show, which was early television um, back in the day. And so I was around music all my life. I actually studied to be an architect um, through school. It wasn't too uh, up until I got into really got into college end of high school, going to college where I got into music. Although I did play trumpet through school kind of for my dad, since he was a musician, he always told me, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to work, you might as well get a little music gig on the weekend. You make a little money doing that. And you don't have to work in a gas station, you know, <laughs> do that kind of a thing. So uh, I just kept playing. And then once um, I, at the end of high school, going into when I was just got into college, um, I got in a band playing. Uh, I was the second trumpet player in a horn band uh, called the Merciful Soul Band, which was really Jeff Beccaro and David Page, uh, who started Toto, original members of Toto. Uh, we were kid band at the time. Now that wasn't Toto. It was the Merciful Soul band, but I got in that band and we started playing, uh, you know, it was an incredible band. I was actually the worst guy in the band, but, uh, <laughs> uh playing second trumpet at the time. Uh, but I noticed when I was studying, I was, I was, uh, a draftsman for a company called Audiodyne and I would, uh, you know, be drawing exploded views of parts. That was in the day when we didn't have computers and you had to actually use a pencil and a pen and a ruler. Uh, and then, uh, we started playing all these gigs. And then I realized, wait a minute, there's a lot of girls at the gigs. There's no gigs at my, no girls at my uh, drafting gig. So I decided <laughs> to become a musician. Uh, and from that point on, I just really took it up like crazy and started studying privately, um, you know, pretty much 24-7 and got lucky. And, you know, things started to turn around once about, you know, about seven, eight years later, my playing started to get pretty good and got in a band called Seals and Croft. Uh, started touring with them, and from that point on, started touring with a variety of bands, and finally ended up with Pink Floyd. Wow, what a long journey yeah. that was, huh? Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, I'm pretty, uh, you know, I'm very thankful. I'm probably the most thankful person you've ever met, actually. <laughs> I just uh, <laughs> had a, had a great and crazy career, and um, I'm actually alive to talk about it. I had more fun than any human being, I could actually say. Uh, it's just been a, it's been a great ride, you know. And second of all, you know, all that sort of led up into my music. And my not my music, my business career, and so I've had a pretty interesting life of kind of doing both business and music through through the years. Cool, and you yeah. play you play a variety of instruments. Is there any particular one you like more than the others? You know, I I did play a lot of woodwinds. My father was a woodwind player, and he played fourteen instruments. So I sort of took his uh took a cue from him, and I played quite a few during the day because I was obviously a trumpet player, and then I became a started playing flute and then I got into the saxophone and my two, my two favorite instruments to play is basically the saxophone and the guitar. Uh, I love to play the guitar. It's, it's actually truly my favorite to play, but I, I um, am really mostly known as a saxophone player and I do love the saxophone too. So those, those are my two mostly a tenor player these days. That's what I'm mostly known for is saxophone. Right on. Cool. Yeah. And you went on some pretty big tours, didn't you? Um, yeah, I've had, I've been around the world a half a dozen times, you know, we, toured with super tramp and toto around the world then obviously with pink floyd we went out for several years at a time and had some uh, great great tours and yeah definitely was very thankful to be able to go around the world and see it uh, it's a great way to see the world uh you know it wasn't especially with those bands we traveled pretty uh pretty cush pretty first class in those groups <laughs> and not too many not too many uh, hardcore bus tours there uh we had a lot of fun yep yeah so i've been uh lucky enough to um you know, see the world and play my instrument for sure it's been a great great ride yeah was there any one particular place that you just jumps out and says oh i remember this one time this was my favorite experience 
Well, you know, I think there's a few, uh, you know, Pink Floyd was such a, in a massive, you know, brand worldwide, you know, doing stadiums and giant shows. And I think one of the main shows we ever did, which stuck out was we played Venice, Italy, uh, where they floated these barges down two barges the sizes of football fields and put them out, um, uh, you know, 150 yards off of St. Mark's square out on the water. And they built the entire Floyd show and, you know, hundreds of thousands of people showed up to a free pink Floyd show. And it was like, it was probably one of the wildest things I've ever seen. Uh, took five days to set up. Uh, people were living on gondolas and boats out on the water so they could hold their space for the show. And I mean, it was just incredible. Once we, we set up, they ran a, uh, a runway out to the front of it where the stage was to the uh, sound mixing console. Boats, gondolas, people from all over the world showed up. They actually closed down Venice. So many people came. Wow. Uh, we, they lit they lit the entire streets, all the all the buildings up and down, and uh, we played this show. It was broadcast about 120 countries, and, and um, the wildest part was is right as we finished, they they just, they sent off you know a million dollars worth of fireworks, and it was crazy. And the and the whole city was closed down, and I'd never seen so many people in my life. It was one of the most wild things we ever done. But that show was extraordinary. Uh, you can actually find out about that if you just, uh, you know, search Pink Floyd Venice. You'll see a lot of videos. And if you go online, YouTube, you can actually watch that show. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. So that one really sticks out. I mean, we've done some great ones. You know, Palace of Versailles. We played that 90,000 people outside. That was incredible. Uh, let's see. Giant Stadium was a great one. Uh, you know, did some great shows, even with Supertramp. Uh, you know, also a lot of in France and Europe. I mean, that's where we did a lot of the big shows. So mm-hmm. yeah, those are a few of my favorites. A few of my favorites. That's awesome. Were you ever yeah. in a position where you wished that you might be like the lead singer or something? Uh, you know, I was always never, not really, never thought about lead singing. I've always always the lead saxophone player. You know, <laughs> that was my thing. Uh, yeah, no, I'm. You know, I can, I could sing a little bit. You know, I was mostly sang just doing uh, backgrounds and parts. You know, as a background singer it was important uh, especially playing with bands you know they always need an extra singer uh but no i was really more of um you know wanting to play my play my horn and solo soloist that kind of guy gotcha and that probably brought you enough notoriety as it was anyway uh you know i was enough it's been been a great ride i can't i can't complain so it's been a lot of fun for sure cool cool hey can you tell me a little bit about uh what walt tucker productions was all about Ah, yeah. So Walt Tucker was uh, my one of uh, my actually one of my my first company. It was actually my really first company, um, and it was uh, based. It was named after my two heroes, Walt Disney and Preston Tucker, the car manufacturer. Huh. Um, I don't remember them. I love their pioneering spirit. Obviously, most people know Walt Disney, but Preston Tucker was the car designer. He designed a car called the Tucker. There's a movie out. You can see it's a great movie. Um, uh, that's out on him, but he was very innovative. They actually only made like 34 of those cars, uh, but mostly it was a pioneering story. But the uh, Walt Tucker was an audio video post-production facility and merchandising business. So we did uh, a lot of post-production uh, for, and, and worked on a lot of music videos and shows, everything from, we worked with on the Rolling Stones, Janet Jackson, uh, Bon Jovi, uh, um, let's see Cinderella I mean a whole bunch of bands through the years uh, a lot of music video work but that was that and then we had a full-blown recording studio in there that I developed a 
called Earmax, which was an experimental studio. Um, it was a surround 360 band in the middle with the console, a big giant room, and we all played through uh, these near field monitor speakers. And uh, so it was a, you know, it was an audio video post and experimental company, and I had had a merchandising business there. So the idea is we could record. And, was kind of a 360 production company and then we had all the merchandise and I did a lot of the merchandise for a lot of uh, music companies from Yamaha, Guitar Center, um, Fender, a lot of different companies. So it was a, that was one of my first companies and that became, uh, later became uh, Seventh Level, which is um, my interactive company that I started, which we took public, public, which is a NASDAQ company. And uh, yeah, so I've been in the, the game, educational space, technology, and the music business now for quite a few years. That's amazing. And I wanted to talk to you about the seventh level thing because, yeah. you know, a lot of people don't transition with the, the way the times did very easily. But it seems right. like you did a really good job transitioning from the musician to Walt Tucker, and then you changed to seventh level, which was all about CD-ROM games, right? Right, yeah. I guess, you know, one of my, yeah, I love, you know, I love the pioneering spirit. That's why I had Walt Tucker, you know, kind of being on the leading edge, inventing and designing new ways. Uh, Walt Tucker was all about designing how to put sound and picture together. We developed this whole visual sound idea where we used zooming microphones, guys wore lens. So when the camera zoomed, it would actually zoom the audio up on the person. So I was experimenting with sound and picture. And then I saw, you know, this whole thing of, uh, of uh, CD-ROM come along and I did my first CD-ROM, which was a, uh, called Music Bytes, which was uh, really audio for computer users, right? At the time, there was no way to add audio to your presentations and things. So we did this Music Bytes thing, which was all series of audio, little audio clips and things uh for this stuff and I, I i was actually uh myself and a guy a gentleman by the name of uh jeff skunk baxter which a lot might remember were the was the uh, guitar player for steely dan and well i actually started steely dan and uh, the doobie brothers uh so we were out uh pushing this thing at a trade show called comdex in las vegas and i looked across the room uh, and i saw something on the screen of one of the computers and i walked up and i saw this title uh, this children's title called Just Grandma and Me. And that was the first time I'd seen where you clicked on an object on a screen and it actually moved. And I said, wow, that's my future. So I, <laughs> jumped, into the, I jumped into that world and I started hanging heavily in the cyberpunk scene. It was funny because we used to hang it with guys in their garages, all these programmers back in the day when it was, you know, programming was, you know, very... Not that there weren't a lot of programs going on at that day. Those was early, early, early uh, CD-ROM days. And so um, we did the seventh level. Uh, so I'm my kind of my biggest claim to fame that I'm one of most proud of is I, I uh, directed and produced the world's first interactive cartoon. And it was called Toonland. And that was what we did uh, to start at seventh level. And we were actually able to take that company public on that. Uh, and then it was an ASDAT company. And we uh, you know did Toonland, which starred Howie Mandel. Right. It was this interactive cartoon, and it was uh, kind of the beginning of all that. And from that, I moved into doing the seventh level. We did all the Monty Python series of, of games, had a bunch of number one hits, uh, you know, complete waste of time, which was the Monty Python interactive game, which was their first game. And then we did the Life of Brian, the, the Holy Grail, uh, uh, you know, a series of uh, Python titles. And 
I really got into the technology and, and art side of things. And, you know, I love business and I love art and music. So I combine those two. And uh, yeah, so it's been a very interesting ride. I believe, you know, technology, especially today for artists, I, I believe this is the greatest time in history for the independent artist, uh, mainly because you're holding a worldwide broadcast mechanism in the palm of your hand now with these cell phones and you can build audience and grow your audience and do it by yourself. So it's a very interesting time, uh, but you have to get educated in the space. So I'm a big believer that, you know, staying on top of technology is really critical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, especially today it moves it moves so fast especially if you're in the entertainment business so i just believe it's you know i kind of try to combine business and and art together i think that's the that's the model for today for many artists yeah and you've done a great job with that you kind of flown flowed through everything yeah you know i'm very thankful i mean it's kept me young that's for sure uh, <laughs> it's great because i get to I get to, it's interesting because I, I, I teach a, a whole course called SPACE, which stands for Story, Plan, Army, Conversion, Education. And I kind of get to teach the, the old guy, the old dog gets to teach the new, the new dogs, new tricks. <laughs> so wow. it's kind of fun seeing on top of it. Yep. Yep. And that's at um, the uh, Thornton School? Uh, yeah, I did teach that out at USC. Um, I mostly lecture on the topic, and I, I'll teach some to artists, uh, you know, kind of directly, one-on-one. Um, but, you know, I lecture on the, that whole idea because I believe artists need to be think like a startup today. Um, you know, it's a different model. I mean, if you want to be in the game now, it's very difficult to be in the hits business. You know, you, like I said, you can't sell music. Streams are very difficult to make money on. For most artists, you know, a million streams will Jeff basically generate roughly around four to $5,000. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, there's only, you know, 2 to 3% of the entire Spotify catalog has a million streams. So it's very difficult to make money in the streaming world. So where can you make money now? And it's really, um, you have to think like a business person, uh, startup, and it's about, you know, creating these experiences or the relationship you can sell. So those are the two things. So I teach artists how to think like a startup, build a business, and uh, kind of grow their business. You know, and I use varieties of startup principles. One is the lean startup movement, which is a lot of businesses today out of, uh, Silicon Valley uh, run through the lean startup principles. So I teach those to artists and really try to help them to think more like a, like a startup business and build a direct to consumer model, you know, so it's, it's great. I mean, there's a real, you know, what's nice about this business for artists today is uh, it really doesn't take that many people to make it a viable business. Uh, my model's based around a thing that's called uh, the thousand true fans and a true fan is somebody that will spend $100 a year. So if I have uh, 1,000 people that will spend $100, that there's your first $100,000 in revenue. So I teach artists to go small, build a repeatable model, and then kind of grow their audience from there. So it's really thinking differently uh, about a direct-to-consumer, uh, building a, a, a products that people actually care about. Because uh, what can you sell? Like I said, it's the experience, the, you know, how you bundle things, how you mash things together, how you create unique things. Uh, that's, that's what I, I teach artists to think a little bit outside the box and build their own, their own business. Yeah. And that that's great. A great thing to learn. A lot of people kind of neglect that fact. And then they, when they get to that point, they say, Oh man, I wish I I knew what to do here. Oh yeah. I mean, that's the thing that's, uh, you know, I try to, you know, I try to teach them every day, you know, you got to get up and you got to get educated. That's really important. So you need to start studying the other, 
you know, there's so much information online now. What's beautiful is this, you know, you've got, like I said, not only is that worldwide broadcaster in the palm of your hand, that worldwide phone in your hand gives you access to so much data and education. You can basically find anything you need to know uh, by using, you know, Google search Mm -hmm. and you can start learning. So I try to tell artists, you know, you got to get up to speed on what's going on every day. Study. There's so many people that are out there teaching you incredible things on how to use, you know, how to use a, Instagram or Twitter for business and, you know, how to create, you know, camp uh, Facebook campaigns that can actually convert, you know, that's why with my whole space story plan, army conversion, conversion is very important because if you're not converting, uh, it's a hobby, you know, right. it's a business or a hobby. If you, if it's a hobby, then fine. You can have fun. If it's a business, you got to generate, generate revenue. So it's uh, really for certain types of artists, not all artists, um, you know, can really, really like the aspect a lot of them want to you know sit around smoke fatties and write songs all day and, <laughs> and wait for it wait for it to come but uh uh in uh, if you're really serious about it uh you, the opportunity to to create a sustainable business now is right there in the palm of your hand uh it's just a matter of you know getting up every day and going to work it's mm-hmm. not easy having this much like i said it's not easy having this much fun that's my motto but yeah. if you want to work you can make it happen. Like, look at you. You're, you've got your podcast going, right? You're yeah, building your yeah. business. Trying. There you go. Un- entrepreneurship. That's the game. <laughs> That's what it's all about, entrepreneurs. I'm a, I'm a staunch uh, free market capitalist. I believe that's the greatest system in the world for it's lifted more people out of poverty and brought more, you know, innovation to the world. And I still believe that's the, really the model. I think we need to be more conscious about the things we do as capitalists. But conscious capitalism, I think, is the new model. And, I believe that that's uh, really critical, and I love entrepreneurship, and that's important. Absolutely. What yep. do you think would be um, your greatest words of wisdom to somebody who's just starting out in this career? As, as a musician or artist, I think you know really is to to take is to take their take the art and really combine the business aspect of it. I try to teach artists that you know it's not just. You know, a lot of them don't like the aspect of, oh, I don't want to do the business part. I don't want to understand the business part. It doesn't matter to me. Somebody else should do that. And I try to explain to them it's really critical that they, they get educated on the business side of things so they at least know how to hire and build their team and what, what the knowledge. So I think it's really taking and looking at business as, as art also. So it's combining the art of business and the art of, uh, of uh, music or art at the same time. And it can be a lot of fun because it's great when you actually make something that you can get out there and sell and see the fruits of your labor come in the way of revenue. And it allows you to not only work on your craft, but it also allows you to have the freedom to do what you want, right? So uh, I would say, you know, start studying business. Um, I would learn uh, one of the things I teach artists is the, again, we talked about the lean startup movement. And you can Google that. Um, there is, uh, there's a thing called the lean canvas, which is, uh, a one page business plan. And I believe that's one of the great tools and you can get that tool. You can go to leanstack.com. That's lean S T A C K.com. And there's a, it's a, it's a site it's interactive. You can click on, it, you can build your first lean canvas and it basically takes you through the process of, of, uh, of building a business plan. But it's like I said, it's a one page business plan. It asks you nine questions. And it's really important to answer, you have to answer those questions. And the most important part of the lean process is the set of principles that it's got, it's founded on, which is one is fail fast. And what that means is you want to basically create 
something that uh, you're going to test and validate, which is your second main principle. And you want to make sure that if it's not working, you want to get out quick and readjust your model, what you're designing, what you're putting together. So it's got fail fast so that you can readjust, uh, test and validate everything. So before you go out and pour money into it or whatever, there's ways now, and it teaches you if you start studying the lean principle, how to test and validate your ideas uh, to get strong buy signals, basically understanding where your business and what you're going to be doing. And if it's got val- if it's valid, that way then you can, you know, pour, put gas on it and move forward. Um, so it's, and then the third main one is to what is the smallest thing that you can do that will give you the biggest bang for your buck. Mm. So the lean canvas and that model, what's good about it is, is it doesn't only tell you what you're going to do. It more importantly tells you what you're not going to do because it's so easy to spend a whole lot of time on stuff that's not going to get you anywhere. And it's really easy to get distracted. So the whole lean movement is about the smallest thing, the thing that's going to give you the biggest bang, test, validate, and make sure that what you're doing is you're going to move it forward in the right way. So anything I would tell any artist out there is, you know, get into the, get into the model. Here it is. It's story. You got to have a great story. And it's not about being a, uh, 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 hey, I write songs. I'm from Cincinnati. I'm a guitar player. Nobody cares about that. They care about what, what you stand for, what's your purpose, what problem are you solving. So as an artist, you want to think differently uh, about building that story that rises above the noise. Then you've got your planning. That's where I tell everybody the P for spaces. You've got to put a plan together. And that's where we use the Lean Startup Principles. I suggest going out and uh, there's a book called Running Lean. Running Lean, and that will teach you how the principles work. Uh, and then, you know, then the A is the army. Uh, that's your influencers. Everything starts with influencers and super fans. So you want to identify those. And once you've got that in place, then you go into your C, which is your conversion. So I tell everybody to learn conversion funnels. Google those. Uh, how does the conversion funnel work? And that'll teach you a way to move your audience from your first meeting them to basically, uh, you know, buying something or joining your group or whatever you decide, but funnels are important. And then the E is the third one, education, because if you're not getting educated, staying on top of it, uh, you're going to get left behind because this market is moving so quickly. So that's my uh, advice to anybody out there. Uh, Get yourself educated, start learning some business and uh, start building your business. It's all about, you know, again, I have an interesting thing. There's an artist, a friend of mine that has about 125 super, super fans, because that's where the money is. Mm-hmm. And that 125 fans virtually supports her business wow. uh, on, a yearly, wow. on a yearly basis. Yeah, because she's created you know, merchandise and things. They're such super fans. They buy everything. They come to all of her shows. Because we know that the, the super fan is really where that generates the revenue. I mean, we have data now, which is one of the big things that artists have access to that we never did is the data. And the data says the super fan will, which is, will generate roughly around 60% of your revenue. So two to 3% of your entire audience will call the super fan, but they'll generate 60% of your revenue, right? So you want to understand this stuff, get, get educated, go to school and you'll be off and running. Cool. <laughs> yeah. There you go. That was a long answer, right? No, nah, I like it. It's a good answer. <laughs> good. Uh, are good. you on any kind of social media that you'd like to tell the listeners about so they can yeah, follow it, you? Yeah, everything is I am Scott Page. I am Scott Page. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can find me there. Uh, yeah, just hit me up. 
tell me you saw me on the show and I'll message you. And then if anybody has any questions, I'm always happy to answer questions and stuff. Cool. Yep. And I have one last final question for you before we wrap things sure. up here. How cool was it to be voted or I guess named uh, one of the 100 coolest people in Los Angeles? <laughs> yeah, that was actually, I mean, obviously very, a big honor, obviously. That was out of Buzz Magazine. I remember that. That funny story real quick. It was, you know, obviously it was it was very, you know, it's humbling. And it's very nice to be noted in that space. Uh, but I'll tell you a funny story. I remember I was driving down the street and I didn't realize that that thing came out. And there was all of a sudden I was listening to talk radio and a guy comes out and says, wow, they just put out the top 100 coolest people on the on, uh, uh, in Los Angeles. And wow, there's this old has been saxophone guy by the name of Scott Payne. <laughs> and I laughed silly, uh, cause he started talking about it, but you know, that was what kept me relevant was being, you know, obviously staying on top of technology being on the leading edge. So, but that was really, uh, you know, it was fantastic. It was really fun to hear that on the radio that day, but, uh, yeah. yeah. Thanks, thanks for bringing it up. <laughs> You're welcome. I just, I figure. <laughs> Why not? You know, you're still relevant today. I, I like it, and I'm a huge fan, so that was great. Thank you very much. Thank you very, very much. Yeah, and, you know, I just want to say thank you for coming on the show today, and, you know, humbling me with your presence and actually being willing to talk to me. Come on, buddy. Let's go. It's podcast world right now. Come on. Build your business. I love that. You're an entrepreneur. <laughs> well, thank you. My kind, of, my kind of guy. There you go. <laughs> great. Well, well, thank you very Thank you so much for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Anytime. And thank you to all the listeners who tuned in and checked this out. Make sure to go to all the different social medias for Scott Page here and click the likes, the bells, the dings, whatever you got to click on. They're all different buttons, but they all get the same result. And you'll have a great time. He's a great guy. Lots of good stuff coming, and you can stay on top of it. So thank you all again, and we'll see you next time. Take care, Ray. Thank you, buddy. Oh. <laughs> Now that was an awesome interview. Thanks so much for listening. You all are so great. And don't forget to head to Facebook, Insta, and Twitter and follow The Leo Effects. If you want to hear some comedy and ridiculous voices, check out Shattered Dungeons on YouTube and all other places podcasts can be heard. And you'll hear me voicing crazy characters, usually pretty terribly. So thank you so much. You all are the absolute best. And we will see you all on the next episode.